0: You're listening to T League, a short weekly podcast about all things Carlton Football Club. And as every week, we kick off the episode with the match review brought to us by my six-year-old nephew, Eli. Take it away, mate.
1: This is my review of the Carlton and West Coast game that we lost. Um... So Sam Walsh and uh, Jones was apart. Apart from Jones kicking, um, he was great at marking, and he was great. And what Sam Walsh was a, gr- a great runner and a great kicker. He did kick some goals. Zach Fisher was great, and um, Harakai got into like the like the first few like minutes of the game, and then he was out for the whole game. What did he hurt? His head. How did he hit his head?
0: Fell on the ground.
1: He fell on the ground, and um, Jack Mom was good. Um, yeah. Oh, Matthew Kottrick quick a goal. He was fine. Cottrell. He kicked the goal. Always was fine. It was great. He kicked two or three goals. He was great. So, that was my review of the Carlton and West Coast game that we lost.
0: And thank you, Eli, for your review of last week's game against the West Coast Eagles at the SCG. You're listening to Teague League. This is a 10 minute Carlton podcast, and mine and I am your host. I am your host, Jason. And uh, let's get into, stuck into the week in Carlton Football Club. If this is your first time listening, I like to keep it overall positive. Um, it's a little bit hard at points to really be bubbling in with a uh, positive energy. Um, but being positive doesn't necessarily mean not being negative. There's a whole lot of stuff to get through this week, and I'm probably going to do a, uh, another part episode early next week, just because there's a lot of things to cover, and I want to keep it to the, a rough timeline. I'd like to start off this week's episode with the frustration station, as I started last week. Uh, I watched a portion of the game last night, the, uh, Sydney versus Hawthorne, to... Uh, Recent rivals, I wouldn't say traditional, but they've definitely been in the modern era strong rivals. The Buddy Franklin Cup, the Simon Mitten-Connell Cup, if you will. That combined with the week before of us playing at West Coast, the camera angles at the SCG are painful. They're really difficult. They're either too close or too far away. Adelaide Oval's got it down pat really well. I know that I'm saying a bit of, uh, a bit of biased here, seeing as though I'm in Adelaide. Um, obviously, MCG's got it down. Marvel's pretty good. Um, up the stadium as well. It, there's, there's a certain angle where you can see what's just happened, what's about to happen. and Too close to the player on the regular shots is just a real tough to watch. So that's my bit of a gripe for this week. We'll move on to more Carlton-related stuff. Uh Let's In the VFL and VFLW, every week we cover those to give a bit of an idea of what's going on there. Uh, due to COVID lockdowns, there's been the buy. We've had two buys. So not much news out of that in the VFL and VFLW, but we know that particularly the non-listed players are probably chomping at the bit as much as the listed players. And there's a few guys we've got who've had injuries in the last couple of weeks. Um who are really wanting to push for form, uh, Mark Murphy, one of those included. So it's a bit hard when you can't get your, uh, get your games into you, and I think that was a big issue with last year for some clubs. The mid-season draft we mentioned last week is finished, and the AFLW um, signing period is almost d- done and dusted. Uh, as mentioned, my friend Gemma will be coming on to go through that in detail and where we lost and where we won. Carl's had a lot of movement. Uh, Some of the obvious ones that we've spoken about already uh, include Taylor Harris, who've now signed for Melbourne, Uh, Katie Lyons, who is going to be retiring, but has also um, signed with somebody else, and the Jess Hosking trade, which kind of didn't really... caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting uh, them both to be over there, but there is a twin energy, and, um, you know, Richmond's probably made her a good offer. But then there are supporters who are suggesting that Daniel Harford's... The way he's running the club is pushing people out. So... I don't obviously, sitting here in my kitchen today, don't know Daniel Harford from a bar of soap. I struggle to believe when these people say that one coach is pushing people out. But after the year we had this year just gone, that wasn't up to the level of 28, 2020 or 2019 where we were finals bound last year and made the grand final the year before. Uh, is it a mild rebuild on the run? Is it just the flow of AFLW players because the money is less and you need to take the opportunities where you can and build yourself a career rather than playing just for a jumper. It's a bit easier to play for a jumper when you've got a three-year contract that's going to pay your bills for the next 10 years rather than barely paying your bills with no future like no uh AFLW is a really tricky one and Gemma will be able to tell us more about that but we if we're talking if we're bringing it back around a positive we did gain just Del pos and a bunch of trade picks and and hopefully it's a it's a mini refresh um to really push for a grand final again where we don't get done by the Adelaide Crom I do love the Crom talk Oh, where are we in this list? There's so many things here in this list and it's about to hit the halftime siren. There we go. So, folks, I will encourage you at the halftime break to chuck a like or a subscribe, all the things that you do. Uh, I do have to mention chucking an apology for last week's audio. It was done late at night and um, it wasn't mixed and such very well. So uh, thanks for sitting through it if you have. This week's a new week. It's a Saturday morning. And uh, a sleep-in does the world of good rather than trying to bust it out on a Friday night. So as we go and talk to our AFLM team, uh, I have a constant conversation with myself about do I prefer us going slightly under the radar where we might have done nothing special and, and to keep it, um, We may whether we've won or lost, but it's, it's a nothing week or we're in the media and everybody's talking about us. So you actually get to hear a lot of Carlton conversation, both good and bad. This week I struggled. I struggled. I like. To, I enjoy watching AFL 360. I think there's some good, um, it, it, it provides a good balance overall. You know, I may not agree with everything, but I think it's a good picture of the game. But I couldn't watch the conversations around Carlton this week. I, there's a lot of stuff that I couldn't listen to, not because of how bad we are, but because of how the media is talking about us that we are the dregs of the world at the moment. Um, I'd like to personally thank Nathan Buckley for taking some of the heat off us in, in standing down. Maybe Buckley's coming to Carlton as an assistant coach. I don't know. Maybe he knew it was the time to take the heat off them, put it back on Collingwood, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Buckley's made a smart decision for himself. Uh, that boardroom is going to be worse than Carlton's been over the last 30 years. You bail out before you get caught up in it, Buckley. You know He's also been there for such a long time that all of the conversations around Collingwood that have happened over the last six months, he has been there either as a player or as a coach. So smart move and also smart move taking the conversations off us until the football started again on Thursday night. Luckily enough to be there on Thursday night and that is the perfect example of a team who is out of luck. Port Adelaide, the ball didn't bounce the right way for them. You would see constantly that the ball would bounce into a Geelong person's arms or it would go slightly over a head or just these things that you can't necessarily control. Um, And I think that we've been so, particularly this year, there's a good portion. The reason I'm talking about the the Port Adelaide-Geelong game is because I feel like that's us with getting the lie of the green, getting the rub of the green. Carlton have had a combination of a bit of bad luck the, not, the, the team hasn't gelled, and then also um, just a bit disappointing efforts. I've gone on about how it's, in every episode, it's been a four-goal loss. It's nice to set your watch by how much we're going to lose by. To four goals to a top-eight team. It's better than going and expecting to win like last week and then getting beaten You know, I don't know why people were expecting us to win. I I subscribe to the four goals and top eight theory. And this week we've got a bias so we can't lose. That's always a great win, isn't it? That's always a great trick. Always a great side. So I'm going to touch on the review for a second and in particular, why it's a big deal and why it's not a big deal. We have been underperforming this year from what people expected. They expected by the time we top up with Saad, by the time we top up with Williams, by the time we top up and make a crack for it, we should be finals bound. Now, at the moment, we're sitting just outside the eight. We've got... And it's not as... It's not as dire... Like, it's dire in the fact that Richmond is sitting on seven or five and they're sitting at eight. So they starting to become that gap between eighth and ninth. Essendon and her sitting on five and seven. But we're still in that bulk of games. Right. We're still in that bulk of people who can sneak into the finals. And when we've had the conversation of we've played seven of the eight top teams and we've got all the teams below us, it is not a it's not as scary as what I think people are kind of making out of Doom and Gloom. We're gonna finish at the bottom of it again. West Coast, who are sitting at seventh, have only played three of the top teams three of the top eight teams. Richmond have played six, but Richmond at the moment, we know Richmond, so we don't have to like go into too much of them. Sydney and Port Adelaide of them as well. They've only played four of the top teams. So there is that, if we're trying to be, look for the positives in it, these teams are going to be starting to play more and more of the top teams and we're playing the lower teams. We aren't that far off. There's a 10 minute. So the review is called and I'm all for it. I'm all for the fact that it's, let's see what is missed. And they've got a couple of, they've got Pavlich, they've got a couple of other folks in for that who have got on paper experienced business and football brains, great, love to see it. If you are constantly making bad food, you'd want someone to step in and figure out why your food was being so badly made. We hold football and footballers to such a different standard. We wanna hold our own businesses that we run and we attend And that absolutely frustrates the crap out of me that how we position football versus how we position every other part of our lives. Review, great. Bring it on. Let's see what is the problem. But the fact that it's only a football um, department review and not a upper review is I think that that's probably how far it needs to go. It needs to go not full club. It's not like, okay, the lady who runs the cafe is the problem or the merchandising team or the membership team. Kane Little's got a lot of thing, good things going with the club. Out of debt, they've got the, um, the building of the new um, uh, change rooms and gyms and all this sort of stuff so the our women's and men's team have some of the best um, that they can manage and, and on parallel. That type is great, but the top of the club needs to be checked, I believe. And I'm not someone who sits here and goes, oh, it's all the board's fault. It's all the, you know, just 20 years of decisions post salary cap. There's probably been people who have been there for a good portion of that Let's put the best people in, not the people who are the ones who have the money or the influence. The best people for the job. I've never really been an angry board person, but I think if we're going to review the players who have to go out on a Saturday publicly and show what they can and can't do on the field to millions of Australians, the back-end board stuff needs to be treated the same way and make it open and transparent and look at what's happening at Collingwood and how it's all hitting the shit if we have a year where we finish in the bottom four or five, burn the board, hypothetically. I'm real worked up about that because I did read a really interesting article during the week and it had to do with one particular player and the the, the theory, and I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but the theory that this particular player, once the coach has got them offside, they've then been the... the tipping point of getting that coach removed. Um, And I don't want to sit here. I know that no players listen to this. I know that no Carlton officials listen to this. But if you're interested in the article, hit me up on socials and I'll send it to you. The more I'm reading it, the more I'm pondering it, the more I'm thinking about it, the more it gets me frustrated if there is a skerrick of truth in it. I haven't talked about our game against West Coast because we know how it happened. We know what happens in against top eight teams. We have a moment where we can win it, and then we fade away. Is that Andrew Russell and the performance? I don't know. Is that the team not gelling together? Is there a dissension in the team? Is there clicks? Is there, is Teague not putting the fire under the belly? For John Barker to walk out, no. I'm going to restart that sentence intentionally. John Barker was planning to leave at the end of the year. Assistant coaching is tough, and you partially you either do it because you love the game and want to help the team or you want to become a senior coach. He had that taste pre-Teague, covering for a few games. Obviously, he noted he wasn't going to get it. Maybe he's either looking for a senior coaching role or he just wants to do something different. He'd been signed off by Teague saying, yep, stay at the end of the year, that's fine. So when the review came in, someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, that's it, thank you very much. If you're going to leave at the end of the year, leave now. Is Barker the problem? Well, he's been around for 10 years, tried in a bunch of different positions, uh, and we haven't been great in that 10 years. Is it his fault? No. Is this a case of trying to find the best person for that job? Yeah, sure. If they bring Buckley on as assistant coach, would I be mad? No, Buckley's got a lot of good stuff going for him. That's 15 minutes. It's much more than the 10 minutes, and you can probably hear in my voice that I'm really in a strong spot with this at the moment wrestling with it and i want the club to succeed but i'm also understanding of change and development and we only get two hours a week to see that you know if you are trying to learn a new skill and you only get to actually put it on the park for everybody to see for two hours a week and you make a couple of mistakes you can only you see progress through that yeah you can train all week but when it gets to that moment that's why time's important That's why someone like a Sam Walsh coming out and just absolutely going guns blazing and Matt Rowe guns blazing off the bat is a rarity, not what should be expected from every young player. Simo didn't get a touch for his first few games. People have been talking about how Hardwick and um, Clarkson, their first season and a half, only had a handful of wins and were really rebuilding the clubs that had been underperforming for a while. Anyway, I've hardly talked about the game at all. I'll focus more on this in another little episode. Um, We've got Monday off, public holiday. So Monday evening, I'll put something down. But I want to throw this out there. This is a little bit of homework that I did during the week just to really give that perspective that it's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Versus the top eight teams. This is as of the start of this round, before the game on Thursday. This is how many they have played. Melbourne have played five top eight teams. Western Bulldogs have played five top eight teams. Geelong have played five top eight teams. Now six. Brisbane Lions have played six. Port Adelaide and Sydney have played four. West Coast have played three. Essendon, five. GWS, five. St. Kilda, seven. Carlton, uh, Geelong, Gold Coast, five. Carlton, seven. Collingwood, six. Adelaide, six. Hawthorne, four. And North Melbourne, four. So other than the Brisbane Lions, which we and the Richmond, which we know are premiership contenders, the only other teams to have played more games against the top eight sides, which looks like it's pretty locked in, I'll be honest. Maybe uh, Richmond, maybe West Coast. St. Kilda are sitting at one and six with an average loss to the top eight teams of 50. Carlton are sitting zero and seven with an average loss of about four goals. So on one hand, people are saying St. Kilda, have got, uh, St. Kilda are great, and then they're not. we are sitting at a very consistent level. We just need to get those wins. When we start playing in North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Adelaide, we can actually really pick up against that. And you look at teams, I'm, I'm just going over the same stuff here, folks. It's a really wild year for us. It's disappointing that we keep getting chances and fading out. But would we rather be close and fade out than get thrashed. I keep saying this to anyone who brings up Carlton and how shit we are. Would we rather be getting done like in 2019, 2018 by GWS, by 16 players in GWS, by 100 points, by Frio, by 120 points at Marvel Stadium, sitting there just absolutely feeling decrepit at the style and the way of play Versus losing to Melbourne by four goals with a bit of a fade out. Losing by Port Adelaide by four goals with a bit of a fade out. Losing to Western Bulldogs by four goals with a bit of a fade out. Folks, it's not all doom and gloom. And on that note, it's a 20-minute episode. Thanks for putting up with me on on a Saturday morning. Uh, I don't actually have tips from Eli at the moment. And so for this 25 minutes, extra long episode, when I'm sitting at the kitchen table with a bowl of cereal under my belly, have a great week and we'll, uh, we'll chat to you soon. Go the baggers.